Hello everybody, welcome to Do The Franchise with me Jake And me James And we're back with a special episode James It's the special Halloween episode 2020 I've made that sound really bad Our second annual Halloween event It's Yeah, this is like, this is historic This is like the first time we've ever done a special again <laughs> <laughs> More special The yeah, more special event this is the more special one. It's kind of weird as well, isn't it? Because I was retreading our Halloween steps from last year. Um, anyone that didn't listen to it, go and listen to it because it's definitely worth a listen. But um, yeah, we kind of did like a... Well, we chose a few films. Well, we chose a, a film between the three of us. It was Brendan, our, our IT guy, and me and James. And it was kind of like, what would be your favourite classic pick for for Halloween? Yeah. Uh, so we, we tried to do that. I said to James, and we were talking about this, and again, this probably sounds better off air, but I'm going to say it anyway, that we were going to kind of come up with an episode based on our preference of Halloween movies. So this will be basically my favourite Halloween movie or my favourite horror movie to watch, per se. Um, my, what I would say is the worst horror movie ever made. And then a must watch this Halloween. So that's going to be like a special pick of something that's out at the moment that you can watch. Sound about right, James? That sounds good to me. And uh, just to clarify, uh, the current news cycle doesn't count as a horror film, even though it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, nothing COVID related. We're, we're <laughs> trying to get them away from COVID and people need distraction, James, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's distract them from the horror with more horror. Exactly. Distract them from the horror with real horror, um, genuine horror that's been made before and can distract you. This is why I wanted to make sure that that we moved away from films like Outbreak, 28 Days Later, um, I don't know what else, Shaun of the Dead, I guess. What else is there? I've kept clear of all of those because they felt too real. Mm. Anything that feels too real. Although I must admit, the one that I've chosen... Kind of real, but no, it's not real. No, it's not. You know what? Bollocks. I'm gonna ignore that. You'll okay. see in a minute when we go through it. Um, I, I was, as always, James and I have done absolutely no work on this episode, <laughs> so <laughs> I think it might be worth. I want to hear. I think should we do worst horror movie of all time first, and then best? Yeah, let, let's let's build to a high point. Right. Because I, I think that's a good idea. If we build up to, you know. Making people feel good. I don't want to make yeah, people yeah. feel bad. It, you know, <laughs> it's not what we're here for. No, I've also delved into some facts about my worst horror movie ever. This is also really interesting. And, and, and again, audience listeners can, can contribute to this on Twitter and on Insta. It's a weird thing of what you can categorize or deem a movie, a horror movie. Don't you think? Yeah. I think I, I, I struggled sometimes when I was looking through at my choices I was looking at them and thinking is that horror or is it a thriller yeah. or is it you know it, it, is it like a Halloween horror film or is it just yep. like a generic horror film like uh, technically I guess Jaws is a horror film but mm-hmm. yeah. not super Halloweeny. I don't know I, yeah it, horror is such a broad genre it is it's strange I kind of like you said you look at the horror genre then you kind of break down into genres like thriller slasher um and there's even like teen slasher um science fiction horror which i guess you would put films like alien under yeah i would 
I would always refer to Alien as one of my favourite sci-fi movies, so I wouldn't necessarily put it in my horror category. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's yeah, it, it's got horror it's, elements, it's but too it's too good as a science fiction spectacle that I would always put it in my top science fiction, not in my top horror. Yeah, I would agree with that. I have pulled together some honourable mentions as well, um, but I do think. Do you know what I want, James? I think you should go first this time. Okay. You, I want. I want to know what your worst horror movie of all time is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Tell me, James. My worst horror movie of all time uh, it is Halloween related. I good, good. I used to uh, every Halloween. I, I'd, get, I'd get into it. I'd get a, a friend round and we'd watch a, a film. And I'd always try and find a really random film that we probably wouldn't have seen. Now yeah. I'd done a bit of research into this film and knew that it was terrible before I saw it. Um, but I wanted to watch a terrible horror film with a friend. So I found the film Mom, uh, and it's a 1991 uh. American, I think it was straight-to-TV horror film. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's actually ever made it to DVD. Oh, my God. This is like <laughs> Troll 2 last year. Because I was going to warn you, you can't have Troll 2, which was going to be on my bloody list. I was going to have that as my worst horror movie ever. Again, if you haven't listened to last year's Halloween special, my God, go and listen to that. <laughs> this might be up there with Troll 2. I'll be honest with you. It's <laughs> The story of how I, I eventually got to watch this film is almost as good as the film itself. Basically, I I searched for this film. I could find uh, the odd copy on VHS on eBay. Yep. It was made available on Laserdisc. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Laserdisc. Laserdisc. Uh, but James, it, half of our listeners won't even know what a Laserdisc is. If you I don't imagine, think I've ever seen one. It was like, you know, digital vinyl, but for film it, it was not good it was the precursor in a way to dvd but it didn't have dvd's quality um, disc. but it never made it to dvd it was briefly on uh netflix in the u.s okay i didn't have the wherewithal to get netflix u.s netflix over here at the time uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did have uh, many nefarious ways of trying to find this so eventually i found this film and i i downloaded it and I was so desperate to watch it with my friend as a surprise that I didn't preview the film. It turned out I downloaded the Spanish audio version of the film. <laughs> <laughs> so Excellent. when I proudly hit play, there's a whole section of the film that doesn't have any speaking in it. So we watched quite a bit of this Spanish-only film before we realised it was Spanish-only. So you um, sat in a, watching our American horror film with bad dubbing, where they're going, and you didn't understand what was going on. Didn't understand it. Felt really embarrassed. We ended up watching something else in the end. But Did you watch Pan's Labyrinth instead? <laughs> it was probably something like <laughs> which that. Was, which was also in Spanish. <laughs> But at least deliberately so. So yeah, so yeah. eventually I found the English audio version of it and I watched this film on my own. Um, the basic plot, and I won't give away any spoilers because the yeah. film does that for you. Um, so the basic plot is there are, in Los Angeles, a bunch of animal attacks happening that no one can explain. And sorry, then, this, is the, this is the plot for Mum? Yeah. Go on, sorry. So... So there's a bunch of people, basically bodies being found, mauled to death, and no one can explain yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, it then 
does like a hard cut to this old lady. You know, so her her children are middle aged. So she's an old lady. She's the mom of the film, and she decides that she wants to take in a lodger because she gets lonely. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's quite a sweet little story. Uh, the person she takes in turns out to be a werewolf. Why did I know you were going to say werewolf? <laughs> and uh, can, you know, the, the werewolf bites mom, turns right. mom into werewolf, and the rest of the story is basically about the son of the mom trying to deal with the fact that his mom is a werewolf and keeps burying bodies in the back garden. <laughs> and he's basically spending his whole time trying to stop her from doing that. Um, she convinces him eventually to go out and try and entice a hooker back home so she can eat the oh hooker. Because uh, she, uh, she, there's also a great bit in the film where she has this argument with the son about how eating a homeless person is at least better than eating a cop. <laughs> so... <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know, but she's convinced it is. Um, and the 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 film uh, is uh, it stars Jean Bates, who's quite a well-known yeah. uh, American actress. So she plays mom, and okay. uh, uh, so it was I think one of her later films, maybe her last film. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> the 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 son is sort of portrayed as this long-suffering son who's trying his best to deal with the fact that his mom is now a monster, yeah. and everyone wants to stop the monster, but he just wants to make sure his mom's okay. Um, the Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> the the special effects in the film are straight to TV special effects. So uh, she the. the prosthetics that they use don't look that dissimilar to Troll 2. If you remember how the trolls looked, well the goblins looked Yeah, in Troll there's 2. something kind of... Ch- I'm just looking at some of the screenshots for Mom oh, Jesus, as we're going through <laughs> this. Um, like you just said, I can only find VHS copies of Mom. Um, you can't find it anywhere else. The, the tagline is, a tale of bloodsuckers, flesh eaters and family. <laughs> <laughs> and what is more Halloween than that? It, do you know what? I'll give you that. It looks. This is supposed to be. This was your worst Halloween film, though. Is yeah. Because, is this because it was in Spanish? Uh, yeah, it was mostly the story of how I arrived at Mum that was terrible. But the film is atrocious. Don't get me wrong. Like that. You, okay. You're not. You're That's not going good. to find like any acting chops really displayed here. It is. Yeah. It is awful. But I mean, it's only ninety minutes long, so it's at least it's over quickly. Um, it is, and you don't have to go the circuitous routes to find it like I did. It seems yeah. like the entire movie is on YouTube at the moment. <laughs> so, I'm not suggesting um, that you you know, you commit fraud in any way, but if you no, just no, Googled it, you'd probably find it. So if yeah, you desperately I mean, want to watch yeah, we're Mom... Not endorsing, we're not endorsing that, but if you want to watch Mom, you've got to find a way. Um, yeah. And by and, all means, go and watch Mom. Yeah. I'm going to be watching it later. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Mm. That's a good one, James. That is a good, terrible movie. Sorry, I'm, just got, I'm trying to down a pint of tea before it goes cold. <laughs> Actually, it's incredibly hard when you try to do a podcast and you go, <laughs> trying to down <laughs> tea. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's interesting. Um, Gene Bates, Brian James, Mark Thomas Miller. I'm just looking at some of the cast lists. Have I got a review on here for it? Let's have a look. Uh, it's got five out of ten stars. I mean, so it has it's stars, Jake. High. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it has stars. Uh, let's have a look at the user reviews. Uh, seven out of ten. 
mother of all problems. <laughs> I'm fairly sure it's one of those films that's so bad it's good. Yeah. I think that's 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 how it ended up that way. It it is it is up there with Troll Two. I was trying to find Troll, Troll Two does go off the rails really fast though, doesn't it? I mean I mean this one does. <laughs> <laughs> this one's a nice family drama up until the point she becomes a werewolf and wants to eat hookers, Jake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean that that is it is dark. It's kind of one of those things it sounds like it was written. Do you know what it sounds like? As I went to I went to university and did obviously film studies at university and wrote films and there's always that thing of like how to describe it. There's that thing of a guy in your class at uni who writes and it could even be myself, writes a treatment for a story that something along the lines of a lovely old woman gets bitten by a zombie, uh, by a werewolf and um, now it's about the family trying to save her. Uh, whilst in secret at night she becomes a flesh-eating um, mom werewolf and you go yeah it's got so much great it's going to have kids and we're going to have this scary thing where the, and the kids are in the bedroom and the mum do you know it's like sketching out your ideas but then somebody will go to you what's the story and you haven't got one no no there's <laughs> all literally no got, story no all you've got there is an idea <laughs> so getting yeah. that idea from treatment idea to character development from a story perspective, from a first act to a middle act to a third act, you, it's hard, isn't it? And you can't just make that up. And I was saying to Natalie, not like two days ago, the biggest problem I have with horror movies is nearly all of them fall down in the third act. Yeah. They have, they give up the ghost of their ideas, and that's not a pun, but they, <laughs> they kind of have this concept that they're gonna go, they've got this really good idea, it's really brave, really bold, but then it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and again, an honourable mention, which I was going to mention on the shit film category. There was a film called, I think it's The Orphan or Orphan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. I haven't, and It's no. basically about a family who, um, this is not my pick, this is just a little added bonus. But it's about this family who who adopts a child who's from like a weird little like 18th century orphanage. It's mm. in the modern day, but she dresses like she's in the, in the, in the late 1800s. It's very odd. She's yeah. got pigtails and she's got dark hair, dark eyes, and she's very much a pale little orphan from a weird, she's got like a weird Russian accent or something. It's very strange, James. And the film's premise is the orphan's got something evil going on with her. Okay. We don't know what that is. But throughout the film, she kind of like, like kills animals and corrupts the other kids in the house and. She plays tricks on the dad and tries to break the mum and the dad up by playing them against each other and, and pretending she's being beaten. And it's all very odd and very psychological. And even now, describing it to you, it sounds great. You go, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Can I just spoil the ending? Go on. If you don't want to have it spoil, obviously skip ahead 30 seconds. The little girl, James, the orphan... Yeah. <laughs> ...is a Russian woman who has an ageing disorder who can make herself look like a child and basically preys upon men, rapes them, and then kills them and then moves on to another family. <laughs> oh. oh. So this is that thing I just said about, do you know when you've written a really good idea down and yeah. you have to cap it off? So there's a midget, or I don't know, a dwarf woman who has a aging disorder that makes her look seven, even though she's about 30. <laughs> 
Right. It's the most stupid film I've ever watched. And I had to, and I just said to my missus, like, this is it. This is why I hate horror films, because they do this at the end. They have no they have no end game in terms of imagination, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's it's as well, it, I think imagination is sort of like the the Achilles heel for a horror film, isn't it? Because yeah. up until the point you see the the baddie, your imagination yeah. can run wild. So if if a horror film's really clever and keeps the baddie concealed for the majority of the film, yeah, you can feel genuinely scared of that. It's when it's revealed and you go, oh, it, it's a guy with you know a prosthetic nose. Okay, that's a bit, a bit creepy. Like, a little bit like um, Predator when you don't really know what it is for most of the film. Yes. It works better, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you my pick, James, and then we're going to have to move on. Yeah, but, so is this um, your pick for the worst horror film? Worst you- horror film I've ever seen. I'm going to keep it brief. Um, it's a film that me and you have talked about many times, and I'm sure there's people out there that have seen it, and I have got a little story to go along with it. Um, my worst film of all time, worst horror film of all time, is The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, this is a terrible horror film. Now, again, this is where I come to the thing I said to you before, which is, do you use the horror term loosely, and what does that? what's the definition of that? I mean... This film makes me laugh more than some comedy films do. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It, it, it is. It's definitely like it, if you watch the original trailers, they were definitely pushing it as a horror film. I think so. Yeah. And then when um, like when the reviews came in and people weren't finding it funny, they were like, "Oh no, it's a, a satirical take on society." Yeah, it's not a horror film. It's satire. And you're like, "No, you said this was a horror film." Because yeah, the, the right, trailers yeah, showed people like screaming in cinemas and things like that. But then when people laughed in reality, <laughs> they, they were like, no, it's, it's satire. It was intentional. I'm, I'm glad you got the joke. It's like, really? Yeah. Do you know the, the thing I love about this film, and again, I hate it, but I love about it, is that it's one of those films that everyone that subsequently worked on it and acted in it has said how bad it was. <laughs> and this doesn't happen. It's great, isn't it? This doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I think this kind of happened with the Schumacher um, Batman films, where like it took them a few years. I think Raimi and Spider-Man Three. It took them a three a few years to go back and look at that piece of work and go, "That was shit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like you said, what audiences tend to do is fans of Night will start to pretend like that film was satire. Or like that film was in some way abstract. And you go, no, 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 that film was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, a few facts about this film. I mean, this is one that I, I read earlier today. Uh, Mark Wahlberg admits that he regrets working on this movie. But he said, you can't blame me for wanting to try and play something new. I was offered the role of a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely, definitely a plus. And I love Mark Wahlberg, and I, and again, I don't, I would never go on the record and say Mark Wahlberg is the greatest actor of all time because that is not true. No. But Mark Wahlberg does have something about him that I just I, I loved. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just him uh, in films, especially in films like The Other Guys and Ted comedy. I think he really excels in any way. Yeah, I think so that's why when, you like him in this film because yeah, he's he's super quotable in The Happening. 
You know, but guys, <laughs> think about the science. You know, <laughs> it's all all those little quotes that you know make him sound absolutely not a scientist yeah. or a science teacher. It's, it's he has a similar thing in Transformers where he keeps having to repeat that he's an inventor just in case people forget that he's an inventor. You know, great. <laughs> that's his way of acting. He doesn't act. He tells you he's something and hopes you believe him. <laughs> yeah, there's a line that's in the IMDb trivia page which says Mark Wahlberg improvised this line. Be scientific, you douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, so, for anyone that hasn't seen uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, this film, again, how the hell do we even start with this film? This film is basically a horror film about people who jump off buildings and kill themselves mm-hmm. in mass, mass suicide, isn't it, James? Yeah. And these mass suicides are caused by some sort of pheromone or something, a pathogen that's released by plants that makes humans go mad like some sort of parasite in the brain type thing isn't it yeah and so basically what happens in this movie is the main characters spend a lot of time pointing at nothing screaming at the wind and running away through trees (laughs) (laughs) yes basically all they do is they run through fields it's like the Theresa may of horror films it's bloody awful. I think it got it's got eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It shows you how low down the how down the uh, down the order it is. Ah, but Jake, it did get a DVD and Blu-ray release. So oh god, you know, it's, I know. it's one up from Mom. <laughs> I wanted to say about my my you, know, you had a story about Mom and Halloween. I have a story about the happening. So I um I had a membership to a cinema in Nottingham a few years ago, and oh, I say a few years ago around this time, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when I was a teenager. And uh, my friend and I would regularly visit this cinema and we'd get loads of freebies and you get invited to like yeah. little after parties and premieres and stuff at the cinema. It was really nice. And before this film came out, we'd been given like the premiere ticket to go and see it on like opening night. And I think me and my friend Mark went to see it at like midnight on opening night. Um, and we got, before we went in, we got our tickets and we got like a free poster which I'd, I'd got before the event so the poster had gone up on my wall right near my bed it was a huge The Happening poster that had um, again if you google it you'll probably see it online it's got like a road and it's got loads of cars that are empty and littered and like upside down and in the distance you can just see a city and loads of clouds there's lots of clouds in this film yeah and it was kind of like this really scary we have no idea what it is, but it's here, the happening. And it was like this, and, you, and it was all over the place, wasn't it? Do you remember, like, on the side of buses and it stuff? Was. You, it was intriguing, because you had no idea what it meant. You, you knew it was something terrible was going to happen in this film. We knew it was going to be sort of post-apocalyptic. Again, not in reference to COVID, but it would now fit if it mm. was COVID. It was this phenomenon that's going to... You go, oh, this film's going to be about some sort of world-ending event. And you know how Knight's done so many good films? He did, like, Sixth Sense and Signs in The Village. I don't really like that one, but we'll not talk about that. And you thought, yeah, okay, so Happening's going to be something apocalyptic. And it's dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember coming out of the cinema at night, and like you, I just kind of went... What the hell was that film? Like, what were we legitimately watching? It was so weird. Like you say, he was coming off quite a big high of several really good films. People were saying, yeah. you know, oh, next Spielberg. And then he did this. And then he just had a run of terrible, terrible yeah. decisions. And you just think, 
were the first few just one-offs or yeah it was just a really weird weird film to yeah. go in with the expectations they'd set and what we actually got very very different yeah. I, I like him as a writer and as a director. I do, however, feel he's very hit and miss. Um, mm. He's one of those people where, like you say, no one could really... I don't think even Knight himself could probably have anticipated how big The Sixth Sense was going to be. No, no. And I think that was just one of those movies that just took off. Again, a good Halloween film, actually. It works quite well for that. Definitely. Um, but it's... Uh, yeah, The Happening. My God, I can't even say anything more about it. All I can say is, when I got home, I ripped the poster off the wall. <laughs> 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 Get that shit down. Do you know what? I actually remember now. Do you know what poster I put up in its stead? I put up The Dark Knight. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, you know, you had a good replacement in mind, so that's all right. Yeah. Do you want to do your... This will be your all-time favourite Halloween movie, James. Okay. Okay. Hit so me. Hit you with my all-time favourite. So we, we've talked about you know how you define horror and, yeah. you know, for me... I've never found like gory films scary. They're just no, gore, gore fests, and they don't they don't hit me emotionally. Uh, I find thrillers scary, and I find uh, horror films that could be real. You know, they they have an element that yeah. this could happen. So yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, if you show me a a film where you know someone just gets stabbed on, on screen. And it's really gory. I'm like, mm, that's you know, it's not nice to look at, but it's not scary. Then show me a film that asks me to think, did I lock my door this evening? That's scary. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's those films. So my favourite film is actually quite a recent one in some ways. Is the Babadook. It's interesting. I saw this on the on a list of top rated horror movies to watch this Halloween. But yeah. Do go on. So the the Babadook is again. It, it's sort of like a, a theme because obviously Mom has a very family orientated theme. Yeah. Uh, the the Babadook does as well. So um, the basic plot again, trying to avoid spoilery stuff. But the Babadook um, is in the film a a book, a mysterious book arrives at this home of a single parent mom, who's lost uh, her husband. And he's just trying her best to raise a kid. And her kids, mm-hmm. like most kids, scared of monsters, scared of things under the bed. But this this book arrives, and there's a little poem in the book, and effectively says that if you read the poem, you'll never get rid of the Babadook. No one knows what the Babadook is, but on the book there's a, a picture of this shadowy figure in what looks like a top hat. And you'll probably see that in a lot, like the... They film posters. Yeah. You, you've probably seen what the Babadook looks like. The film, suddenly you realise it's not actually about this monster. So it gets around that whole thing of having to show you the monster in any meaningful way. Because the film's more about how these two characters, the, the mum and the kid, react to the idea of a monster. And the, there's a lot of... Um, sleeplessness in the film so mm-hmm. the, the two characters aren't getting any sleep and that's driving them more and more insane the caring mum starts to become quite angry and a, a little sort of not physically but emotionally violent towards the kid and it, yeah. you, you get this sort of constant building sense of tension um, they're, they're having uh, like missing time as well so they're not always sure whether what they think is the Babadook is actually one of them yeah, uh, doing doing things and not realizing it, uh, and it 
you sort of start to see the the mum as more of a you know, a monster. So it, it's 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 like I say, it's a film that you could imagine happening under the stress and pressure of trying to raise a kid. Yeah. Something. So I'm guessing does the Babadook? Because I have seen this film when it came out in 2014. Is this does it appear or is it more the concept that the Babadook is like mental illness caused yeah. by by sleep deprivation? Yeah, there's definitely a mental illness aspect of it. There are scenes where the characters see the Babadook or or yeah. feel that presence, that ominous presence there, and it's dealt with really, really well in the film. Like you, you do get little glimpses of it, of the Babadook as a traditional horror monster, say, but you never see yeah. it in full. It's never you know some of these horror films where you see the monster sort of fully lit. Just so yeah. you know, they can show off their costume department's work. Yeah, yeah. You, you never see that. You never see that in the Babadook. So it, you it, is, do... it is a wonderful film. I, I've just been looking at some of the critical response. I mean, this film was 2014, like you say, pretty recent. Um, it's got 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which very few films get. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great a great film um, for. Any time of year, I guess, but it works really well during Halloween, I think. Because, like I say, yeah. it's that film that makes you think, did I just see that out of the corner of my eye? Or, yeah. you, know, it, it, you, you start to question things. Um, so, maybe not one to watch on your own. So, if you are. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit unnerving. Like you say, it's that, it's that fear of unknown, which is a good, it's a psychological horror film. But, yeah, again, I think it works really well because of, like you say, this idea that once you let the monster in, you can't get rid of him, um, and that thing of it leaking, uh, lurking around the corner, I, I do find that that psychological aspect more terrifying. Like you say, if you have a half an hour fight with the Babadook at the end of your film, where he turns into a giant spider, like the end of it, it it loses all of its gravity, doesn't it? It loses all of its oomph. Yeah, it's not scary once the monster can be is physically there and can be physically interacted with and the mystique of the character has fell away that's when the films start to they fall apart really don't they and then the final act yeah absolutely and it's just it's it's nice and refreshing to have a film like this that's it's not trying to be a traditional horror film but mm. it's not overtly trying too hard to be anything else it's it is of itself I think it, it seems really original which is good yeah it was an Australian film, Babadook. Um, amazingly, the budget it was made on was $2 million, which sounds like a lot to us, but not to the movie industry. Um, I think the last Star Wars film was like 300 something million dollars, uh, and it was dreadful. Yeah. But <laughs> this was $2 million, James, and it's had such critical response around the world, this film. And I think... Uh, really, really wonderful. Yeah, I think it, it can succeed on that budget because... It asks the audience to do so much of the work. The audience mm. and the actors do all the work. There's so little CGI in there. There's so little, you know, pomp and ceremony. You know, the, the scenes mm. are very small. It could have been a stage play. Yeah. When, when you look at it, it, there's not a lot that happens in many places. A lot of it is very claustrophobic at home. You know, parent dealing with a kid that's got an overactive imagination as far as you're concerned, but then suddenly you're mm. not sure... If that Babadook is real or not, it's yeah. yeah, it's cool, it's good. It's cool. I will 
put a few honourable mentions out there that I've looked at. Babadook was on that list, actually, because I'd looked at some of the ones that were highest rated on, on the web. Um, obviously, the classics are on there, James. The Exorcist is up there. Nice. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is up there. Evil Dead. Mm. Friday the 13th and Halloween. Um, both big franchises in their own right, uh, as is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Psycho, Children of the Corn. Yeah. Saw, Hostel. Uh, someone put in from work American Werewolf in London <laughs> but I don't know if that really qualifies but I'm sure I mean I guess it's a Halloween flick it's a Halloween it? flick absolutely like um, I think we're doing Halloween obviously most of that's going to include some horror but Halloween is, yeah. is a, a special time of year isn't it where you can watch some really schlocky yeah. humour yeah so that's I mean cool. my, uh, my missus put in Nightmare Before Christmas which again I've put a big question mark next to it because I'm like isn't that a Christmas film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Obviously, it's it's a bit of both in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of Halloween Town tries to do Christmas. Yeah, which is a bit strange. Uh, and then my, for my brother James, um, I think his favourite Halloween flick uh, of all time, uh, Beetlejuice, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice with Michael Keaton. Nice. Uh, nice. And it is definitely it's definitely up in my top my top five, I think, to watch because I absolutely adore Beetlejuice. I think it's one of the funniest coolest horror it's not really a horror film it's a comedy film but it is of that tim burton genre which is unto himself his own genre now isn't he really like if you look at how tim burton's films have evolved that one is for me like the best example of his work of that era yeah yeah it's a superb film it's fantastic um it's it's such a um a, a tightly written film as well i like it yeah um so my pick james and I did think a lot about this over the last couple of weeks when we've been planning this episode. Um, I'm going with The Thing. Ooh, okay. Good choice. And again, I, t- I chose The Thing because it's not your obvious horror film. It's not a slasher film. It's not really a psychological... I guess it is kind of a psychological thriller, but it's very basically men and people up in the Arctic who are expedition, uh, you know, workers up in in the Arctic Circle. And I guess it's, um, the thing is basically like an alien that uh, inhabits, uh, I think it's first a dog, but it can inhabit anybody up there on the Arctic ice. And they're in the middle of nowhere, James, with thousands of miles around them. Um, And the thing can be anyone in their gang, in their group. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, made in... Let me have a look what year it was. Is it 82? Yes, 1982. And I've always found this film terrifying from being a kid. I don't know whether it's the the fact that it's so remote that the film takes place in such a strange place. And it's not your common horror genre of haunted house, graveyard. You know what I mean? Mm. Um monster hiding in the closet under the bed it's got none of the genre tick boxes that you'd normally associate with a horror no but it is really scary and really odd um they basically find this these dead people in the arctic and then this thing the thing can basically imitate anyone or anything it kind of kills them absorbs them and then imitates them yeah uh and then you don't know who it is so it could be your best friend it could be anybody in your group it could be anybody in the camp uh, and then it'll just assimilate you eat you kill you and then become you again and i just found it when i was a child i think the effects are great even though they probably don't hold up as well nowadays as they did when we were little um 
and I just find it a very, very odd and scary film. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it is. It's <coughs> it's sort of like um, sometimes Alien gets called body horror, doesn't it? Because of all the Kurt yeah. Geiger um, designs. But I think the thing is more like body horror for me. What, yeah. When I think body horror, I think the thing. I think if I remember right, and again, it's been a while. I'm going to have to rewatch it this Halloween. But there's a bit where. Uh, the thing has become a dog, uh, one of the sled dogs that takes them to the camp. And then when they go to see the sled dog, it's like acting really strangely. And then the sled dog kind of comes apart and you see yeah. it on screen. Do you remember what, I, what the bit I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the thing absorbs the dog and then you kind of, the dog comes out of itself and kind of expands into this huge mess. And it's it's just terrifying. I remember it being so weird when I was a child. Uh, I did not like it at all. <laughs> I don't blame you. It, it's for a kid to see that. It's definitely uh, it, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like the fly. Same same ballpark. You know, the ending of the fly with with um, with um, what's his name? Um, I'm losing my mind. Who is he? Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> you went quiet on me then. I, I I was just waiting to see if you got it. I couldn't get it. I was gone. But yeah. Um, so yeah, it's there's an alien ship that they reckon has been buried for hundred thousand years, and then um, when they disturb the ice, they basically wake up the thing, and that's how it all starts. But it is a really interesting film. I definitely say it's it again. It crosses that genre of would you say it's science fiction or would you say it's horror? It's mm. kind of a bit of both. Yeah. But um, I would definitely put it up there as a scarier film than let's say Alien or. Um, signs or something that's got aliens and science fiction elements to it. Yeah, it is. It's freaky, and it's the the sense of isolation. So yeah, definitely, I'd put the thing as my top. I, I Halloween. I reckon it's got more horror elements to it than Alien does. Yeah, Alien's very science fiction. Like I remember in at uni, they they always say if you look at science fiction as a genre, you kind of start with like midnight. Uh, you start with um, Alien, and you look at Blade Runner and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, to look at the difference in genre of how we approach science fiction but I'd, I'd say the thing is definitely like you say body horror mm. so yeah um, I guess the next one James for the final of our three I want you to give us um, the your top pick for this Halloween so it can be something new something trending something you recommend everyone should watch I've got a bit of a curveball with mine oh okay but, um what would you recommend our listeners must watch this Halloween? Well, we might both have curveballs at this point because... Love it. I, I'm going to take you back before Gary Oldman, before <laughs> Christopher Lee. I'm going to take you back to Max Schreck. And Schreck means fright in German. And this is a German film made in 1922. Yeah. It's, nice. no, it's Nosferatu. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Nosferatu is is a uh, an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. So it is the story of Dracula, but in this version, it's not set in England. It's set in Germany. It's not Count Dracula. It's Count Orlok, mm. and it is the original horror film. Yeah, it's kind of the original vampire thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, 
So, Everyone that hasn't seen Nosferatu, you, if you Google Nosferatu and look at what Max Schreck looks like, you will immediately know that character because it's very iconic. Yeah. I mean, you, you've <clears throat> probably not seen the film, but you've seen clips of it. It gets used a lot. Um, mm. uh, I, I think it was even in like the uh, music video for uh, Radio Gaga, there are clips of Nosferatu yes. in the music video. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's up there with like Metropolis... You know, films that sort of started things. You know, Citizen yeah. Kane, Metropolis, Nosferatu. It's up there. So it, it's obviously now it's probably going to seem kind of cliched, but you have to remember it started a lot of those cliches. Yeah, so, yeah. It's an inventor film. It's one that set its own genre and it kind of invented the horror genre. It did. Anyways, I I have a, a little uh, quote from uh, uh, American film reviewer Roger Ebert. And he said, to watch Nosferatu is to see the vampire become cinematic legend before it even seen itself. Yeah. So it's, it's, you, you, you're looking at a vampire film before it knew what a vampire film was. I, 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 yeah. I like that idea. Um, and it, you know, the Bram Stoker estate refused to give the copyright to Dracula. For the film, so they they wouldn't uh, allow it to use it. Interestingly, I think in the late seventies, there's a remake of Nosferatu by uh, Warner Herzog. I didn't know that. Yeah, and in that film, it's Count Dracula. So I think uh, okay. uh, Werner Herzog managed to get the um, copyright at that stage. So they do change yeah. it back to Dracula for the remake. Um, That's interesting. So that there is a more modern version of it. If the 1922 film is a little old for your tastes, you can watch a, a remake. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love that uh, Max Schreck is really Max Fright. <laughs> so yeah, when you when you look at Max Schreck as a as like a person as an actor, he looks as scary in real life as he does in the film. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. So he's quite an odd-looking fella. He is. Um, it made, according to IMDb, uh, a box office gross of $19,000, which I imagine in 1922 was a lot, quite yeah. a lot. Um, I thought you were going to say $19. Yeah, just, just, the, just the $19, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, like I say, it, it will feel cliche, probably, if you're watching it now, but it yeah. is the original vampire film. It's mad as well, like Max Schreck, just to give this film some perspective, it was made in the 20s Max Schreck was born in 1879 and he died in 1936 before the war broke out, like that is mental isn't it, like yeah. he even predates what we would talk about as as history, you know as modern history of the world uh, Schreck was born in the 1800s it's just so weird to imagine that that man was around then and in that famous film I wonder what he'd have thought of how the the vampire genre had gone on over the years and still still going, you know, are, still popular as ever. Are you suggesting you'd like to sit Max Shrek down in front of something like Underworld? <laughs> I was actually James. I was wanting to get Max sat down in front of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, poor Max. Oh, um, I know, poor Max. The, the other sort of parallel to our, I know we weren't going to mention it, but we might as well. Um, in Nosferatu, uh, uh, the Count doesn't 
change people into vampires. So that was a, a difference to the traditional vampire story. He just kills oh, okay. he just kills his victims, and apparently the people yeah. of the village uh, start blaming the um, the deaths on the plague. So That's so weird. So yeah. So uh, they, there is there is a still be a thing. Yeah. So it's obviously you know the Spanish flu, as it were, um, was quite alive in people's minds. It was only a couple of years before. Yeah, uh, of course, and yeah. So yeah, it, it's it, it's a great it's a great film. You 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 see how sort of cultural things are created to represent the time yeah. that they are in, and this very much did that. It was, you know, taking the story, making it German. Because you know, post-war, yeah. they they probably needed a bit of civic pride, so they made it German, and um, yeah, they changed the the story partly out of necessity, but it also made it sort of a fresh thing of its own, which is cool. Yeah, I like that, James. That's a good pick. Um, Go on, Jake. Throw your is... curveball at me. I'm ready. <laughs> You're not gonna be happy because the reason I've put this as a curveball is because this is not actually a film; it is a miniseries. Okay. Um, it's on Netflix right now. It is trending quite high on Netflix, I believe, because of Halloween. I think it came out last year, so it came out for last Halloween, I believe. Okay. 2019. Um, it may even have been earlier than that. Um, this is based on the Shirley Jackson novel, well, adapted from the Shirley Jackson novel of the same name. It's The Haunting of Hill House, James. Oh, okay. The Haunting of Hill House. It's exceptionally well made. I can't really give it enough praise. Um, they've just done a sequel to it called The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I have seen, um, but I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast because that's not what I'm going for. Um, and it's a completely different story as well. But The Haunting of Hill House is um, on Netflix right now. I think it's about 10 episodes long. Um, you need to watch them all in one day, really. It's yeah. the best way to watch it. And I can't even lie to you. Like me and Natalie, when we first watched it, I think we watched it till about one in the morning. Um, and then carried on in the morning, got up, had our breakfast, and carried on watching it just so we could try and watch it all as quick as possible because you just get addicted to it. Brilliant. Um, the story is very simple. It's about a haunted house. It's about a family that that buy this house, that move into this haunted house uh, in like North America, uh, on the east coast of America, it's like Boston somewhere. And they, uh, it's a two, it's a man and a woman and their five children, and they are renovating the house and okay. they're going to sell it on, and they're just like house developers. Uh, it's actually got Henry Thomas in it, James, from E.T. Brilliant. Oh. As a fully grown man, no longer a boy. Well, I would it's hope really he weird. wasn't. You know, otherwise, we're, yeah. we're back at the orphan again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's really, really, really well made. Um, they move into this house, and the series is set in two timelines. So you've got the one timeline where the family are in the 80s and the kids are all little, and it's how they have experiences in this house and what happens to them as kids. And then it cuts between that and the modern day, which is like 2018, 19, where they're all grown up and they've all gone on to have different lives, different careers, and the family have split up. The family is a broken family who don't really talk to each other. And they all have their anxiety, their depression, their addiction, all their problems that stem from the time they spent in this hill house. Okay. Um, and then you get to go back with each character and see how each character was affected by the manor, what happened to them when they were little, and how none of them believed each other about what was going on. 
and it's just brilliant, James. I can't really say more much more than that. But it's on Netflix. Yeah, you can go and watch it. Um, and it does have some moments where it's really scary. <laughs> and I'm not one. I'm not a person that's like easily scared by horror films. To say I generally don't like the genre as much as some people. I can I can take it or leave it. Yeah. But I think this is the best example <clears throat> of a modern horror f- story told in the best way, given 10 hours of you know screen time in 10 episodes, and you get to know every character intimately. The relationships between the family characters are so strong and so clever and so well-written and weaved, and it all stems from the evil that lives inside this house that they, that they came to. And it's just great, honestly. It's so good. Oh, like- in fact... Stop listening to this podcast. Go and watch it. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll 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 just stop recording now. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I, you you've sold me on that because I like the idea of it being a series. Just I I wouldn't, but I actually really like that idea because I think lots of people when they were growing up probably had that creepy house at the end of the village or the end of the street. Yeah, that, you know that everyone had a rumor about. Or so having like like you say having ten hours to build on all these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably better than trying to cram it all into a an hour and a yeah. half film, you know. So, um, and probably if they'd made it a film, they probably would have set it up for a million sequels that might not get made. But if you've got this ten-hour block to tell the yeah. story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine you can do a real, you know, do do it real justice. So, yeah, no, I'm not. We're obviously we're we're about <laughs> film reviews, but I'm not against TV shows because let's face it, films are becoming more like TV shows every day. Uh, exactly, so, and I, I think this for me, as I said, this is like the best example of the horror genre done well. Yeah, in the last, I, I think it's probably the best thing I've seen in ten years. That really, it, it does tick the boxes. So you get your jump scares, you get your ghosts, you get your creepy, weird images that you know stay in your dreams at night <laughs> if you're a child. <laughs> you get the hiding under the sheets and hiding under the bed. There's all of that. It's kind of got all those elements but an overarching really good emotional story that's emotionally driven and I just love that I, and it's one of those things that's really I've seen it twice actually I watched it when it first came out and I've rewatched it recently because of this podcast so it's it, honestly definitely worth going out there and watching really good yeah it's on my list now I'm going to watch it yeah so yeah, yeah I think that's that's pretty much it James yeah. really that's I mean, our Halloween our Halloween special I, I have one honourable mention go on um, I, I think I might have brought it up last year. I can't remember, but uh, Dog Soldiers. Oh yes, Dog, Love soldiers. Dog soldiers. It's such a good film, and it, it ties so nicely in with our theme of you know not necessarily showing the monster, because for the majority of that film, you never see yeah. the whole of a werewolf. You just see bits yeah. of one, and then there's that there's that one scene where the werewolf climbs in through the window, and that's where you see it stand up on its hind legs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that film for so long. It's it's brilliant. It's got Sean Pertwee in it. He's awesome. Uh, he's one of my favourite actors. I, I I liked him in Gotham and a, a bunch of yeah. other stuff that he's done. Um, he's sort of like for me, he's he's more underrecognised than someone like Tim Roth, but equal to Tim Roth in every way. Yeah, he is. He's kind of got that gravity about him, but him being, he's kind of like an East End gangster character in a lot of films, yeah. a lot of TV shows because of his voice, because of his acting range. But yeah, I do. I love Sean Pertwee. I've liked him in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was my honourable mention. I tend to watch it every year. Um, I just didn't want to... 
I, like I said, I think I mentioned it last year, so I didn't want it to be like my pick for this year. But yeah, Dog Soldiers, <laughs> fantastic film. Um, scary for me because the first time I watched it, I was sat with my mate and we were going to stay in his dad's cottage in Scotland. And, oh, God. And he turned to me and said, that looks like my dad's house. And I was scared <laughs> out of my mind to go up to Scotland at that point. So, yeah, uh, that, that's why it's a scary film for me. That does sound terrifying. It sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, that is a great honourable mention. I'd like to say, I'd like to hear what everyone's honourable mentions are as well. So, obviously, if you are listening to the podcast, drop us a comment or get in touch with us on Twitter. Yeah. And just let, let us know what your pick is, because I'd like to go through and, and look at everyone's favourites. And then if there is anything that you reckon me and James must watch, must review, uh, we'll definitely watch them and might even plug them in the next um, episode or even do a Halloween special next year um, and do more of it then. But it's kind of strange. What I don't like to do with these specials is make them all too similar. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, we, I, hopefully we can keep coming up with ideas to do around Halloween because I do like... I'd like to say I'm not a horror fan in general, but I do like watching mm. you know, scary films around Halloween. I think it's fun. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's nothing better than putting some candles on, closing the blinds on a dark night, a dark winter Halloween night, getting some popcorn or some sweets and just watching a scary film. It is great. Yeah. Um, it's such a cool thing. It is, it is. And you know, you, if you tweet us with anything, you get bonus points if you manage to watch your film on Laserdisc. <laughs> yeah, bonus points plus, because I don't think... I've, I, again, I don't think I've ever seen a Laserdisc. Do you know what? I don't know. I think somebody I knew back in Nottingham had Return the Jedi on Laserdisc, but this is like a really distant memory of mine. (laughs) So weird. Such a weird thing to bring up on a podcast. Yeah, I love how current we are. Get Laserdisc, kids. Laserdisc is the future. It is. It is. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll be plugging Betamax next week. Oh, gosh. Right. I'm going to go, James. It's nice to uh, speak to everybody and to speak to you, James. Yeah. So, yeah, next time we'll be back doing our normal format and doing a film which should be probably Jurassic Park, I think. Yeah, I think, so, uh, I think that's a good yeah. good shout. More scares. We're going to Love do, it. We're going to do the Jurassic Park trilogy, which, again, kind of fits into the Halloween theme because they are a bit scary. Well, <laughs> you know, if you happened across a dinosaur, even if it wasn't a dark alley, you'd probably be quite scared. I mean, I don't think a T-Rex would fit in a dark alley. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? They are pretty big. They are, they are pretty big. Maybe, maybe a baby Rex. Baby Rex. Right. See you later, James. See you later, Thanks, Jake. Guys. Bye. 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 Bye.